Our gospel today takes us to the farewell discourse of Jesus before his ascension into heaven. Of course, we just celebrated the ascension of Jesus just a few weeks ago. And we see in the ascension, really, Jesus returning to the Father, so then the Holy Spirit can be sent. In our encounter with the Word of God today, we hear Matthew say this, When they all saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Even in this moment, this final moment they have with Jesus, they doubted. What was that all about, I wonder? But we realize that we too are believers, and we gather and we worship God on Sundays. And maybe as we gather at church, we have our doubts as well. We doubt whether or not God truly loves us. We doubt whether God has forgiven us. Maybe as we gather for the celebration of the Eucharist, we doubt whether or not Jesus is present there. Maybe we doubt that God cares about us, that he listens to our prayers. There are so many things that we can doubt, but yet we still go through the motion of faith. We still get up on a Sunday and we drive to the church. In a moment of crisis, we get in our car and we drive to the champion shrine and we light a candle to the Blessed Virgin. You might travel halfway across the world or maybe somewhere more local to visit a place of prayer. But yet, in those moments, maybe we still have doubts. We come today asking the Lord to remove all of those doubts from us. Yes, that's what we should do. But we realize that the apostles who lived with Jesus, who followed Jesus, who walked with him, who listened to his words of teachings, who saw him risen from the dead, who witnessed him walking through a door, that now as they're there on that mountain, they worship him. They say, Jesus, you are God. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. But yet... Matthew today, Matthew, one of the twelve, he tells us they worshipped, but they doubted. Maybe Matthew himself even had doubts. I know that all of us have people in our life who might not be believers. We have people whose faith doesn't compel them to go to church, does not compel them to pray. They don't open up the Word of God and read the stories of salvation history. You know these people. They're your family members. They're your neighbors. They're your friends. They're your co-workers. They're people you went to school with. The list goes on. Maybe think for a moment. Is there someone in my life that I know of that does not believe in God? Identify who that person is and know that as a believer, even if you have your doubts sometimes, as a believer, it's incumbent upon you to pray for that person, to ask God to help that person, to ask God to reveal himself to that person. People have lots of reasons why they might doubt. 
Of course, we live in a very scientific age, and so we don't think faith and reason go together, but yet John Paul II told us they do. He wrote an entire document called Fides et Ratio about this very topic, how faith and reason are complementary. They don't have to be at odds. But yet, people use science. I believe in science. I don't believe in God. How can there be something when there was nothing? They ask these philosophical questions. But yet, some of the great scientific minds were clergy, were priests, were believers. Who created the Big Bang Theory? None other than a Catholic priest. So we have kind of that interesting aspect of how faith has informed scientific research. And so maybe today, as we think about the Trinity, of course, God as Father, Son, and Spirit, this is something that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's hard for us to understand God as Father, Son, and Spirit, that there are three persons, but yet one God that there is a unity of substance in this Godhead. And maybe the very complexity of today's feast is a reason why we might doubt, why we don't believe. But maybe today on this Holy Trinity Sunday, not only do we identify people in our life for whom we should pray, those that don't believe in the love of God, but then we say, well, How is it that we can compel someone to belief in God? I think that there are lots of different things that, when told in some sort of right way, can in a sense challenge the perspectives of people. For example, I think miracles are a way that we come to believe in a God, in a God who loves us so very much. To become a saint in the Catholic Church... You have to have had several miracles done. The people ask the saintly person, please pray for so-and-so. And what is a miracle? It is something that is instantaneous, it is long-lasting, and it is unexplainable. That's what a miracle is. And so people have experienced these miracles. That's why we have saints. St. John Paul II One of the recent popes of our Catholic history is a saint because a Polish nun who had Alzheimer's and Parkinson's prayed through St. John Paul II, and all of it was gone. In the blink of an eye, she was healed. Doctors couldn't explain it. It's the story that when a family prayed asking Fulton Sheen, the venerable Fulton Sheen, that bishop who won an Emmy Award. They asked him to pray for their baby who hadn't taken a breath in over 30 minutes. And today that baby is alive and doesn't have brain damage and lives a normal life. It's these stories of the miraculous that sometimes can challenge our scientific faith, that or our belief in science over faith. Because when we hear these things, they defy all medical explanations. And maybe it moves a person to say, why, yes, maybe there is a God. Maybe I shouldn't doubt. Maybe I should 
try to begin to believe in this God. There are other things as well. We hear of how people over the course of history have cried out to the Blessed Mother, how they've prayed to the saints, and how they've received graces through their intercession. Again, it's these stories that can win people over for the sake of faith and the gospel. Think about some of these other instances as well. Think about your own life, your own relationship with Jesus. You know, today our readings talk about God as Father, Son, and Spirit. And in the second reading, it told us that we that the Spirit of God leads us to cry out, Abba, Father. And we know who Jesus is. He is our Redeemer. And so maybe in our life, we've had some sort of relationship with God as Father, Son, and Spirit. And maybe it's been this profound experience that has completely changed our entire life. And if that's the case, well, we need to share that by the very testimony of these things, by your experiences. Maybe that moves someone to say, why, yes, maybe God is real. Maybe I should believe in this God. Yes, I want to believe. Read the stories of the saints, not only their miracles, but their very lives. They gave up everything. And this has happened in the succession of years. Century after century, people have left everything to follow Jesus. And they're doing it not because this is some sort of myth that we follow, but they do it because They've come to realize that God is real, that he exists, that God is to be adored and worshiped and glorified. And so just as those apostles on that mountain, they worshiped, but they doubted. Well, we ask the Lord today to remove all of our doubt, that if there are things that we don't understand, we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to give us understanding and knowledge and wisdom. And we ask God, our loving Father, to remove all doubt about the reality of God. And every day we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is a way that we can address the doubts that arise in our life. And by knowing our faith and experiencing the love of Jesus and sharing it with others, maybe someone in your life who has their own personal doubts Maybe they'll come to a point where they can worship and they will believe that they'll say, my Lord and my God, I know it is you.